Hey everybody, welcome to episode 33 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam and I'm here with Dave and we are going to be your guides through this lovely journey today. Dave, do you want to do the whole seatbelt and, and oxygen mask spiel now? <laughs> uh, I don't, I'm not sure I could. That's all right. No one pays attention to that. <laughs> nobody, nobody listens to that anyway. But in case of emergency, while listening to this <laughs> podcast, be sure to place the os- oxygen mask on your face first and let everyone else, you know, suffocate. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we are here. In Dave's basement, I am, I'm looking across the table at Dave and then the lovely background of (laughs) the unfinished of, uh, water heater and heater and wires. It's, it's very modern, Dave. I like what you've done with the space. (laughs) Thank you. It's very very open and realistic. Um, but anyways, before we dive into today's topic we have some intro material that we want to discuss and we have some follow-up as well which is always exciting when we have follow-up so uh, before we get to that follow-up though uh, we wanted to um, direct your attention and your internet browser to a really cool new um, thing on Crossway's website Um, for those of you that don't know Crossway is a book publisher they are the ones behind the ESV translation of the Bible, and they publish all sorts of good, fun books. Uh, J.I. Packer is, uh, how do you say, a genius, Dave? Uh, Yeah. Scholar and theologian just begins to scratch the surface with this guy. Um, You said he's 89? 89, yep. So he's been around for quite a while. Um, And in honor of him and what he has um, been able to accomplish uh, through his writing and his teaching. Um, Crossway is putting together a uh, documentary on J.I. Packer and uh, on their website, which we will link to in the show notes. Um, so you can watch us. There are right now, I think there are eight little featurette videos with two more to come on the 26th mm-hmm. um, that are just kind of snippets of what this documentary is. And some of the questions are, uh, you know, what is church unity? You know, what's the importance of the Holy Spirit? Um, those sorts of questions. They're all like two or three minutes long. And it's just J.I. Um, explaining or, or answering the question um, in the very uh, well-spoken and intelligent way that he always is. And um, I know that we've routinely uh, referenced Dallas Willard on this podcast, and Dave and I both um, really appreciate him. But I know that I personally, um, Packer's in my top two. It'd be oh, Will- yeah. Willard and Packer up top. And the and the only reason that, that Packer's not number one is because I've read more of Willard's stuff um, and because Packer is so incredibly smart. Not to say that Willard is as well, but Willard has this very, his, his writing style is very disarming and very accessible to people that are moderately smart like I am and not, you know, um, top world-class scholars. He has this way of, of making very difficult and um, lofty things clever and easier, easier to understand, which is his style, whereas Packer is so precise and so in depth in what he writes that you have to read a lot of stuff twice because he makes so many good points and does so, so eloquently, which you'll hear if you watch the videos, how he speaks. Um, it's just, so the only reason for me that Willard is one and Packer's two is because Packer is very, very, very dense in a good way. Mm -hmm. So we just wanted to pass that along to you. Did you have any thoughts on, on that, David? No, uh, the main book that I've read by him is Knowing God, and um, it's a much like um, Dallas Willard. It required more than one reading to really <laughs> grasp a lot of it, and I probably am due to read it again to get that book even... scares me. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to read through his book um, called A Quest for Godliness. And it's his um, 
interpretation or reasoning of like the puritanical view of Christian life. Um, and, and Packer's a big Jonathan Edwards guy, mm-hmm. um, which I can, you know, relate to. Um, and so I'm trying to work my way through that book, but it is, it's like tough sledding in a good way. Like <laughs> there's, there's tough sledding where it's just like, oh my gosh, is this done yet? This is stupid. This is a waste of my time. This is way harder than it should be. You know, you tend to, you know, grow jaded or, or angry about it, but tough sledding for Packers, just like, oh my gosh, there is so much here to consider and to think about and to, to mull over and to, um, kind of just debate internally. Um, and so that is not, it's not light reading, you know, if I look at that, I'm like, I'm reading that. Then I'm also reading the game of Thrones books. <laughs> I've read like 30 pages in Packer and I've read like 3000 in the game of Thrones books. Why? Because one is, Super easy and fast and requires little intellectual engagement, but helps pass the time at work. Whereas the other is just like, man, if I read that, I'm going to have to think and reevaluate my life and all of that stuff. So anyways, the videos are not that long and they're not, they're two and a half to three minutes long. Um, and you should definitely check them out because I think that you will, if you don't already know who J.I. Packer is, will turn you on to somebody who just may... Um, teach you more about God than, than maybe you thought was possible. Yeah. And I just, I haven't watched the videos like Cam has, um, but just in the little bit that I've seen, it, it reminds me much of uh, Dallas Willard when he was at the end of his life. And uh, here's a deep thinker, a theologian, uh, somebody that it just, I am, can't even just fathom <laughs> trying to be in a discussion with them or, uh, holding a debate with them, but just that sense of truly loving God and somebody that just longs to know him and is ready to be with him. And I think you see that similar to what we've discussed about Dallas before of uh, just um, uh, finishing well at the end of a life. And I, I long for that. I hope for that, that when I get towards the end, I'm at that same place of just I, I, I know God, I desire to, you know, it's kind of like this, I've known him as best as I can know him in this physical world, this fallen world, and I'm ready to kind of take it to that next level of really getting to know him. So anyway. So yeah, so we will link to that in the show notes and hope that you will check it out. Yes. All right. I think it's time for follow-up, Dave. Okay. I feel like follow-up is so special. We should have some special follow-up theme music. That would be kind of fun. I think you should sing an acapella. You think I should follow up song, follow up song. Now we're going to do some follow up. This is my follow up song. (laughs) That was lovely. (laughs) Thank you. Beethoven-esque, I dare say. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was like Gary Shandling is what that was. I don't even know who that is. He had the, he was like on HBO and it was like, this is the Gary Shandling show. This is the Gary show. This is the theme to the Gary. Like he's actually singing. This is oh. the theme to my show kind of a thing. So gotcha. Anyway, sorry. Didn't mean to, <laughs> didn't, didn't mean to fail you there, Dave. It's quite all right. Speaking of theme songs, do you ever sing the show's title to theme songs? Like, have you watched Mad Men? I have watched Mad Men. You know the theme song? I was going to say not to sing it. (laughs) Mad Men, Mad Men. Is there actually a singing? No, but it's fun to do. It's fun to do. Or like a Game of Thrones soundtrack. Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones. (laughs) It's a fun little game I like to play. When I, theme songs don't have words. I like to sing bad boys when I'm changing, when I'm chasing somebody. <laughs> do, you, do you know? And, and do believe you, it or not, I've actually done that. Do you know more than the chorus, though? Oh. Have you I, seen the bad boys movies? The sh- Sheriff John Brown going to come for you. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That's totally just derailed. <laughs> All right. So what's our follow-up, Ken? Our follow-up is from friend of the show, Jerome, mm-hmm. who's followed up with us a few times before. Um, and he sent us some stuff from, what's from last episode, right, Dave? Hmm. The, the stuff that he mentioned about being Jesus. I think, yeah, it, it was a follow up to last episode. However, I think throughout the email, he, he kind of hits on, um, 
Other some stuff. of some of our themes that we have throughout doing the podcast. So yes. well, so we're gonna focus on just one portion of his email. Um he said, uh, as I think you guys have alluded to and discussed, Jesus was a radical, controversial figure. He certainly held to the essence of the Old Testament teachings, but was always willing to buck tradition and help bring a new understanding or paradigm. If that is the example that he set, then are we not to do the same? Yes. But as oh, you and I the just, but. yeah, the big butt. Uh, <laughs> as you and I were discussing earlier, I don't think Jesus was a rebel just for the sake of being a rebel. Um, I think he was all about uh, glorifying God and uh, correcting the things where the Jewish people in particular had gotten off track and how they viewed God. And, um, you know, they, they were all about the laws. They were all about you do this and you don't do that. And uh, I can't remember it was fairly recently that we discussed it, that it was when we were discussing, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, not sacrifice because it was, it become ritualistic. It was doing the act for the sake of doing the act. There was no heart behind it. And so I think this is a similar situation of, um, Jesus getting people focused back on God and focused back on who he is and, and what it is that he is all about and not just simply being a radical or a rebel just to be radical or to be a rebel. But because yeah, he wasn't Miley Cyrus. I th- he, no, not at all. <laughs> he was responding to where the people were. And I do think there's much of what, you know, people are people, but I think there's very much a sense of, um, in America, we've gotten our, our focus in the wrong place. Um, and not to get totally political again, but, we start equating a political party with our faith versus really following Jesus and what he said. And, uh, you know, you can only be a good Christian if you believe certain things in the political realm, where I don't think that's such a, uh, <laughs> that's not who Jesus was about. So, uh, now granted, there are some principles that probably apply, but um, I don't believe Jesus was a Democrat or a Republican. Sorry, folks. He wasn't either one. Well, those two things didn't exist when he was around, so... <laughs> he wasn't a wig either. Or that's even farther back, isn't it? Okay. Well, that's it's in between <laughs> Jesus and us. Yeah, that was he, only like 150 years ago. That's scary. The wig party. And Federalist. Uh, I don't know. My US, <laughs> U.S. history is my least favorite class in high school. No way. Yeah. Total snooze fest. No, come on now. You didn't. You, didn't you, you, you were not in my AP U.S. history class, Dave. Gotcha. Our teacher, our teacher bragged about how she never wore the same outfit twice all year. Hmm. Yeah. Plus, she was going through a divorce the year that I was in her class, so it was just like <laughs> I was already disinterested in the subject, and you throw in those two previous things, and I was just like, "Can I go to lunch now, please?" No, it was my first class after lunch too. I'm pretty sure it was right after lunch. So I was already half asleep from, you know, the amounts of food I just consumed. Yes. I will agree with Jerome that, uh, yes, Jesus did, um, buck certain traditions, um, and definitely brought new understanding, a new understanding, a new paradigm to, um, what, faith in God was like for the Jews. But as Dave said, I think he was doing that in direct um, response to the way that the Jews had um, strayed from what was accurate. And so I think that, yes, as Christians now, we need to follow Jesus' lead in that area, that where the church is straying from what the Bible tells us to do and how to act and how we are to treat other people that yes, as followers of Christ, we should act boldly in calling out those issues. We shouldn't do so by writing angry blog posts or sending out angry tweets or that sort of stuff. This is face-to-face, human-to-human discussion inside church families, right? Yes. Where elders and deacons and leaderboards are wrestling with how do we confront culture where it goes against scripture 
and how do we encourage culture where it goes alongside of Scripture? Because you don't want to be the type of church that just poo-poos everything that's not traditional, enter your denomination. Yes. Um, but I believe that that Jesus calls the church specifically to be a light in their communities. That's why there are so many local churches, right? That we are supposed to be a light like Jesus was to those around him. He's the light of life, right? Yes. To those people so that, as I said, where culture agrees with Scripture, we can find common ground with those in our community that aren't Christians. But where culture goes against Scripture, we can stand boldly for what is true and what is right, yes. as Jesus would have done. Yep. So, yeah, are we to follow Jesus' example in this area? Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. But do it for the reasons that he did it and how he did it, not just to be... And I th- and I think Jerome would agree with that too, not that you know. So that's that's my response, Dave. Yes. Do you think we'd have more listeners if I used a very condescending <laughs> voice like this, Dave? No. You don't think so? No. No. Don't yeah, I kind of hate myself already. <laughs> right. Well, so anyways, thank you to Jerome for yes, we appreciate it being um, very consistent with sharing his thoughts and asking us questions, and it's. It's just nice to know that there are other folks out there that wrestle with similar questions and quandaries and whatnot and are willing to discuss it because that's what we're here for. So Mm -hmm. thank you, sir. Yeah. (laughs) So if people wanted to get in touch with us, Dave, say to follow up or, you know, something of that nature, how might they do so? You know, it would be wonderful if people would send us uh, questions or things that they disagree with us on. Um, they can reach us on Twitter at MasterclassFM, all, well, at and then all one word. Um, you can uh, reach Cam at Cam Brennan on Twitter. You can reach me at 108HBO, 8 being the only number there. Everything else is letters Ooh. <laughs> uh, show notes masterclassfm.com and if you want this particular episode you would do slash masterclass slash 33 and then finally uh, if somebody wanted to email us it would be masterclassfm at gmail.com indeed indeed which I don't know have we gotten an email from since like the first episode Jerome always emails us. <laughs> You're going to have some editing to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to f- fix my mistakes and then they'll be fixed and people have no idea what I'm talking about now. Gotcha. So. I don't know if they would have any idea what we're talking about anyway. <laughs> but I do want to start. I want to throw an idea out there. Okay. See if, see if it catches. Okay. We always say if you have questions. Yes. Email us or Hit us on Twitter. Yes. I want to encourage people to ask us anything. What our favorite color is. What Dave's first pet's name was. Yes. And we can do a little section of the show called Ask Masterclass or Ask Cam and Dave or Questions. Yeah. Ask us anything. And... I don't know. Maybe it could be funny. Maybe it could be very serious and encouraging. Or maybe no one asks us anything and this idea just goes by the wayside. That's quite possible. Yeah. Just like all my other (laughs) million dollar ideas. Circle in the bowl, Dave. (laughs) So anyways, if you want to do that, please send, send your question to Masterclass FM on Twitter and we will answer it on the show. Yes, we will. Even if it's snarky. Sure. <laughs> we got Dave's approval. We're good. <laughs> All right. So uh, onwards and upwards, sir. Mm-hmm. Would you uh, read for us this somewhat lengthy passage of Scripture? Sure. Uh, we're at Matthew 10, verse 1. And then we jump to verse 5 through 15. 
And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. These 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold, nor silver, nor copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staff for the labor. The laborer deserves his food. In whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if the house is unworthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Ouch. Yes. All right, I got lots of questions, Dave. I noticed that. Oh, it's a long passage, so mm-hmm. it But, all right, how did Jesus give the disciples authority over unclean spirits and diseases? Um... He basically said, here's your authority, and gave it to him, because he's God. So, yes, you answered correctly. <laughs> you may, you may hey. move on to the next question. Um, but I just thought we had spent time previously talking sure. about the power of words in the spoken word, specifically. And you mentioned God, you know, spoke life into existence, and he was called the word. Yes. Um, I just, well, well, I, I wanted to note specifically that, 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 that was how it was done. You now have this authority go like there's something even, even when we're not dealing with God, we're just dealing human on human. Right. And another person tells you, you know, like your boss says, this is your project run with it. Like when you, when you speak those affirming and power giving words of someone like, yes, go make that happen. You have the, like, and even coaches saying you can make this play, Mm -hmm. go make it happen. I have confidence and faith in you that you can do. There's, there's just something about those types of situations that people respond to in have greater potential than they would otherwise. Right. And so I just find it very interesting that Jesus says, go do these things. And then all of a sudden they can do them. Yes. I just think that's super cool and very, very confusing. (laughs) Yeah. I think you're absolutely correct. He simply gives them that authority. Um, and, uh, you know, it is. It's very interesting because he didn't really have to. I, yeah, I, I guess I don't have anything more in terms of he basically gives them the authority, and they, you know, there was nothing that uh, had to happen um, other than him just saying it. It's it's uh, you're good to go. Go do this. Uh, I think the second piece of that that's implicit in that is is them. Um, accepting that authority and then doing the things that uh, he said to them, because, you know, I can, I can tell you this much that uh, being a boss, I certainly give people the authority to go do something and they don't always go do it. So (laughs) you don't say no. Um, So I think that's kind of the big thing um, that he goes and that, well, one, he tells them to do it. And then, not just they go do it, but they actually believe him. You know, this isn't, this isn't just a simple, um, take out the trash. You know, this isn't a a physical task of, Oh, I get that. Uh, I think there's, there's something deeper here going on in terms of, uh, him and imparting power to them, empowering them. And they take him at his word. They believe what he said, and then they go do it. And that's, uh, I, I do think that's significant that um, they didn't just go, well, you know, and I think that's probably our application for today is 
I think there's that element of people kind of go, well, that doesn't apply to me, or, you know, he didn't really mean what he said. And, but the apostles very much were like, all right, he said it, let's go do it. And they went and did it. So. All right. So why does he give them this authority? Uh, This is stuff he's been doing by himself the whole time so far. Why at this point is he just like, all right, your turn. You know, um, I, if, if I remember correctly, um, there really aren't any other, and I, granted, no, I'm not, I'm not putting them in the same category of Jesus, but there are, no, there are no other religious leaders in terms of significant world religions that does this, that turns to his followers and says, I am giving this power to you, and I am asking you uh, to do this. And, um, (laughs) you know, he's basically trusting fishermen, tax collectors, kind of a ragtag motley crew of people to, uh, expand the kingdom of heaven. And I think that's just kind of the way, uh, God does things. You know, Jesus didn't come and then at the end sit on a throne at the end, he was crucified uh, and rose again and died for our sins. Um, he chose to uh, spread the gospel through everyday people like you and I. And that's, I, I even think that's even in the Old Testament. When you look at the people that God chooses uh, to spread his message and to advance his kingdom, is he uses normal, everyday people. And I think that should be an encouragement to all of us to uh, realize that God can use us, uh, even if we're a fisherman, if we're a tax collector, a police officer, a teacher, a janitor, whatever it may be, uh, God is more than willing to use, um, well, uh, the Bible says that he uses the foolish uh, to uh, school the wise, if I can put it in my own words. (laughs) The uh, the DHV. The DHV, yes, that's I right. I like the sound of that. <laughs> so. All right. Yep. Well, that's fair. I, uh, well, yes, I'll just say yes, <laughs> and then we can move on. All and right. that would be 1 Corinthians one twenty seven which basically says God chooses what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And that's, I think that's what's going on here. You know, he didn't choose Kings. He doesn't choose people in power. He chooses people, everyday, normal people because it glorifies him. It point it, you know, there's kind of that yeah, element of God's pretty consistent in that regard. You're not doing this because of your position or your power. You're doing this because I'm God and I'm awesome. <laughs> so you're welcome. You're welcome. All right. Um, can God give this authority to people today? I, I guess I would have to ask what you mean by authority to cast out demons and heal diseases. Uh, I'm gonna have to confess a little bit here that. I personally am still trying to figure out um, what level of... Um, okay, I, let me back up. I believe that God, God intervenes in human history, and I believe he is still very active in uh, human history today. The question that I am not 100% sure of is to what extent do miracles happen today? And so, uh, I, like I said, I, I truly, I'm, I'm kind of wrestling with this right now. This is kind of one of those subjects that for me, um, a while ago, I probably would have said, yeah, God still does miracles today. Uh, I'm, I'm redefining what, a mir- what, what is the definition of a miracle is. And so, um, you know, is is casting out a demon a miracle? I don't know. 
is raising somebody from a dead is raising somebody from the dead a miracle? Yes. Yes. That that I would say is well, yes. Because even in even in um, the scriptures, when when God exercises demons, it's not ever talked about as being a miracle. No. It's just like oh, he sent the demon away. Yeah. And so, um, do I think God heals people, and does He give us the the ability to heal people? Yes. So. Um, I'm redefining what my term of a, is, is as a miracle, and I'm redefining what my term is in terms of just God intervening in normal human activity. And so like you said, I don't think casting out a demon is necessarily a miracle. Uh, granted, it's probably not something that happens every day, um, but I think miracles served a purpose in a particular time in history or with certain people throughout history that I don't think applies to us today. Well, then wouldn't the rebuttal be, well, miracles existed in a time when people didn't have adequate scientific knowledge to explain it in a natural way. And the reason miracles don't happen today is because we're <laughs> we smart enough and we know what's real and what's not. I suppose that'd be an easy way to explain it. But my rebuttal to that little argument that I just made would go something like this. Is it, is it possible that we have become so consumed with our own intelligence and ability that we refuse to see the spiritual aspects of the world for what they really are? Mm -hmm. And is it possible that folks back in the time of Jesus were able and more readily willing to see the spiritual side of things because they were not clouded by all of the stuff that we are today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm reminded of multiple movies and TV shows here that I don't know if we need to get into or not, but I just, I find the argument against miracles happening on the basis of scientific knowledge to be inadequate as to why miracles don't happen nowadays. Um, even though there are many instances where doctors will say, there's no reason you should have been cured of this disease. It's a miracle, right? Yep. Um, now that being said, for every one of those, there's probably, tens of thousands of cases that go the way the doctors expect because you know we would hope that our doctors are accurate in what they do like we put our lives in the hands of doctors every day right um but i just I, i think there's more to this than we have evolved scientifically and intellectually to the point where we know that miracles could never have happened that's why they don't happen today um and i I just find that argument lacking just because something doesn't happen today doesn't mean that it didn't happen in the past. And it doesn't mean that what happened in the past was fake or a lie. And I agree with that. And I guess that's kind of where I'm, like I said, I'm redefining what I determine, what I think a miracle is. And I'm, I'm redefining what I think the purpose of a miracle is because I think God sent miracles to validate somebody, you know, cause we talked about, he gave them authority. One of the ways that he validated their authority is that they were able to do miracles. And it's the same thing with, if we go back to Moses uh, in, in Exodus, you know, when Moses is like, you know, God has the burning bush and Moses is at the burning bush. And he's like, Moses, I've chosen you. You're my guy. And Moses is like, "Uh uh-uh, no way. I'm not going to do it. And God basically gives him miracles to do. You know, he has him throw down his staff and it turns into a snake. He has him put his uh, hand into his, uh, is it a cloak? Is that what it refers to? Yeah, his and cloak. It's leprous and, and it's leprous and then he puts it in and it's gone. It's um, a fun trick. It is a fun <laughs> trick. Well, and that's, and it's not a trick though. It's a miracle because Pharaoh's people um, could do tricks when Moses could do miracles. And, um, uh, I, I, well, I guess it's Moses. It's Moses four. It's Exodus four. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really Moses two. <laughs> um, Moses four one. Then Moses answered. <laughs> he Behold, said it again. <laughs> <laughs> Exodus four, which is Moses four. So then Moses answered. But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say the Lord did not appear to you. 
The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. Moses ran from it. That's funny. But the Lord said to (laughs) Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. Again, not something you would probably do is you'd probably try to catch a snake by its head. But so he put out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand that they. okay. And so this is Moses. This is Exodus four five that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And that's where it all hands. So the purpose behind the miracles is to validate Moses. Is God's instrument. He is saying, this is my way of proving that you are who you are, and I'm going to allow you to do miracles. And then I think the same thing happened to the apostles. To validate who you are and that you have authority, you are going to do miracles. Uh, Paul also did miracles. Um, And the purpose behind, like, I'm kind of at this place of, Miracles aren't so much about the person receiving the miracle as it is about God saying, I'm showing my stamp of approval by allowing this person to do miracles. And so if miracles are happening in terms of the sense of uh, people are raised from the dead, a severed limb grows back, somebody walks on water, water changes into wine, a staff turns into a snake, those sorts of things, uh, I believe those are signs. Those are things pointing towards God to say that this person is who they are. And then there's, I think, this other piece of God acting, intervening in human history where um, maybe somebody isn't raised from the dead, but they're cured of a terminal illness. You know, those kinds of things are a miracle. but the term miracle, in ter- I guess, in, in the Greek really doesn't exist. I think they, they, they use the word sign. So it's a sign pointing towards God versus this idea that we have in modern day of, oh, it's something awesome that happened. And it's, no, it's more about pointing back to God. Yeah, and that's is what it's that's about. What the term sign makes yeah. very, um, very much sense. You know, where we, I think, kind of have a, a skewed idea of what a, a miracle is. So it's when anyway. the U.S. beat Russia and then, <laughs> in 1980. Yeah, and then they still lost the gold medal. Actually, game. no, that wasn't the miracle was that we, yeah, we beat Russia. We lost the gold medal, though, again, didn't we? No, we won the gold medal, but we played. Um, well, Russia was the quarterfinal or the yeah. semifinal game. It wasn't the final game. It wasn't the final I game. wasn't alive, so. <laughs> um, I want to say it was like Finland or something like that that we played. Anyway, it's okay. People here don't think hockey's a sport. <laughs> I asked my boss the other day, I had my Red Wings hat on. Now, granted, my Red Wings hat is black and white. So the logo is white. The hat, instead of being red, is black. Um, and I asked my boss at the coffee shop, hey, what logo is on my hat? And he's like, well, I'm pretty sure it's a hockey team. And then he said, Flyers. To which I almost vomited upon his shoes. <laughs> and I was like, really? Philadelphia? Really? And he's like, see, I didn't even know what city they were in. I just knew they were a team. Just like, oh my gosh. And then I was like, Red Wings. He goes, oh, Red Wings. Yeah, yeah. Where are they again? And, oh, I, said, no. and I said, Detroit. And he goes, oh, right. That's where you're from. I should have guessed there first. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, U.S. beat Finland to win the gold medal that year. I I had somebody say uh, we were watching the the Royals game last night, and they were like, "Why are these people all wearing Oilers hats? What does the Houston Oilers have to do with anything that's going on right now in Canada?" And, Why would people in Toronto have an Oilers hat on? Well, I'm guessing that they're just. I mean, there's only one baseball team where there's multiple hockey teams. Still uh, wearing an Oilers helmet in Toronto? No, Oilers, Edmonton. Yeah. Toronto Blue Jays. You still think that wouldn't happen? No, the Maple Leafs are in Toronto. They're an original six team. So you don't think they're deep? Anyway, my point being, <laughs> my point being, the, they didn't grasp they the didn't, fact yeah, that they, they were the Edmonton was, Oilers. They the were Houston just assuming Oilers. it was the Houston yeah, yeah, yeah. Oilers. Okay. And I was like, well, it is Canada. Yeah. And they were like, what? 
They are, yeah. So, since the, since the expos are no yeah, longer I get in the, Montreal, I get, the, I get the Maple Leafs and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just saying, yeah, it had like, nothing. It was all about football and not about hockey. So yeah, that was yeah. my point. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Tangent. Yeah. Seriously. Anyways, um, it's okay. That was hockey. We can we can talk we can talk about hockey organizations all night long. <laughs> you betcha. Oh yeah, don't you know? <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so. Why were the disciples sent to the Jews only? I think that's just part of fulfilling the Old Testament uh, prophecy. And if I had done more preparation, I probably could have done a better job of of, uh, pointing people to that. But um, the Jews are God's chosen people. Uh, The Messiah, Jesus, came for the Jewish people. And that's who the Old Testament you know, prophets are referring to him and pointing to him. And ultimately, um, you know, I think God is kind of going above and beyond by saying, let's go to the Jews first, knowing full well that most of them were going to reject him. And then it was kind of a, then we'll go to the Gentiles. So you think he's making a point? I think he's making a point, And I think he's kind of like, there's no doubt here. You guys had first crack at this, <laughs> but, and you still didn't quite do what yeah. you're supposed to do. So, I mean, I said that kind of in jest, but I th- I think genuinely, oh yeah, that God went to the Jews first, like you said. They are His, for whatever reason, they're His chosen people. I don't know why them of you know, but they are, and I think out of a fatherly desire to reach his children first as opposed to maybe his, you know, children's neighbors to go after the family first and take whichever family would come along and then you expand out to the surrounding areas. But I just I don't know. I wrote the question, what's he got against the Gentiles? But nothing really because me and you are both Gentiles and, you know, we're in the family now. Yes. And that's Romans one sixteen where basically says first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And uh Ultimately, I think it's just, it's part of his plan, you know? Uh, there's not a whole, well, there's nothing that God does that isn't part of his plan. So, um, very intentional about doing that and uh, allowing them to have first crack at the gospel and then moving on when they choose not to accept it. All right, so I'm going to skip ahead in the uh respect of our listeners time all right um what would it what what should it mean to those of us who read this passage and we see the phrase proclaim as you go saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand what should that mean to somebody who reads that today um you know i think um Ultimately, it means that uh, the kingdom of heaven is available now. Um, so often, I think the the gospel is preached when we talk about salvation as if it's uh, in the future when we die. Uh, we get to go to heaven versus we go to hell. And I think ultimately, the kingdom of heaven is present to us now as we live. And as we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes into our life, and uh, we can experience Him now, and we don't have to wait until we die. And unfortunately, I think that's the way a lot of us live our lives. Yeah, heaven is is heaven and hell are for when we die, mm-hmm. and that we don't consider the impact that we could have now if we were to live like they are present realities. Yeah. And and I just even think getting to know God now, uh, obviously we're going to see him in his full glory when we get to heaven, but there's a part of getting familiar with him now. And, you know, I think we're all going to recognize him when we get there, uh, regardless of what our eternal, uh, destination is, I think we're all going to have to acknowledge God and who He is, but I think there is truly a, uh, we get a sense to know Jesus in this life, um, 
without having to go to heaven first. And I think J.R. J.R. Packer is one of those people that understands that, particularly at the end of his life. We can see that. Dallas Willard is another person that towards the end of his life that we can see that. And, uh, you know, I know I long for that. I'm like, God, I want to know you better than I do. And it's it's not his due. It, well, I, I'm the one that's probably impeding that. Me and my sin is what's keeping me from knowing him as well as I could. And um, I, I venture to guess a little bit that that's why we're a work in progress. And God tells us that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. And so uh, as much as I strive for that, there is an element of I just am dependent on him to help me to arrive at that. So anyway, I think that's what it means. It's here, it's now. And, it, it, and we begin that journey of knowing him in our life and our life is better because of it too. I think there is, you know, an, well, there's an implicit benefit to knowing God in this world that. Well, yeah. Cause it sucks for everybody. <laughs> yeah. So why not, um, enjoy the presence of the creator now when you know that you're going to go through the ringer. Yes. Know? Yep. I mean, heaven forbid you think a little bit selfishly. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, um, I don't know, I guess maybe in, in closing thoughts, um, this passage, I think at first pass, doesn't really seem to have a whole lot to do with life today. I mean, I don't know about you, Dave, but I don't think God's ever given me the authority to drive out unclean spirits or heal people. No. Um, but I do think that God gives his followers the ability and the um, power to share the gospel with those around them. And, you know, in this day and age, that's probably all we can ask for. You know, um, I, I don't know how the world would react to somebody who is healing diseases just by touching them. Yeah. Would, I, I don't know how the world would react to that. In my mind, I'd be like, oh, everyone would be like, oh, he's great. Let's follow him. But I feel like there would be a lot of he's a phony. There's a lot of us trying to kill this guy, just kind of like there was when Jesus was around. Um, but I guess, I don't know, my closing thought on this passage is, God wants to give his, um, I want to choose my words carefully here. God wants to use his followers for his glory, right? Yes. And while that may not be through healing or driving out of spirits, in my case, I know that God can be glorified through my life in other ways if I am willing to follow him. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I, God has given us this podcast. It was just a crazy, you know, <laughs> crack idea that, that we had. And, and we may not be healing people or casting out demons over the radio waves, but we are hopefully using the tools and abilities that God has gifted us with to bring glory to God and to make his truth known. And that's pretty much, you know, all we can really hope for. And if this ever turns into anything bigger than it already is, it's not because Dave and I are professionals, <laughs> you know, or have connections or anything. It's just because God has chosen to use this as something. Yes. And he is using it as something. Absolutely. But that's not, again, it's not because, you know, we're famous or professionals or have, crazy um new insight into all this stuff no we're just normal guys that genuinely want to know god better in the midst of our struggles in our sin yep. and we just like to talk about it so yeah i and i think the other thing for me in my heart behind all of this is i appreciate people like J.R. packard i appreciate dallas willard i appreciate oh 
R.C. Sproul's as I'm, you know, I'm looking at my bookshelf. I was wondering what you were spying. I thought there was like a monster behind me. <laughs> Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know, all the folks that are that are up there. And um, I don't know. Maybe it's living in a postmodern world. Maybe it's just being a part of a different generation. But you know, one of the things that God tells us is to work out our our salvation with fear and trembling. And I think so often. Um, people who have uh, a pulpit and, and an audience where they can proclaim the gospel, they always present this message as they're just so sure of what they believe, and they're so sure of their answers. And I'm just hoping that people that listen to us and share their time with us are kind of going, okay, I get it. You got to work out your faith with fear and trembling. You don't always have the answers. You don't always know exactly what it is that you believe, or, you know, I know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and I know he died on the cross for me, but I just think there are other things that he calls us to sort of mull over and, and take more seriously in terms of what we believe. And one of those things for me lately has, has been, what, what is the definition of a miracle? And do they still happen today? And um, if they do, again, I think their purpose is to point people towards him more than anything. And I think we lose sight of that. So anyway, I hope that makes a little bit of sense. But um, you always make sense, Dave. <laughs> I don't know about that. but <laughs> It's cool. Don't take my compliments. Okay. Really thank like... you, Cam. You're so nice. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that draws us to the end of yet another episode of the Masterclass. Yes. Goes by quick. All the time. Number 33. This is the, uh, the Grant Hill episode. The Grant Hill on... Uh, Back to the Future Day. Back to the Future Day. Marty McFly and Doc Brown got here at about 429 today. Great Scott. <laughs> oh boy, you all right there? I am all right. I thought I pulled everything off the table there for a second. Okay. <laughs> well, on that uh, very professional moment, I feel like we should bid our listeners a fond farewell. Until next time. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening, guys and ladies. Bye.